Forbidden and banned, the bane of bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. Yoda, welcome to episode number 30 of Liberty Now. I'm your host, John Verd, trainer, piper, Navy diver, and Liberty lover. Thank you for stopping by. This is the show for discerning minds and common sense. We seek the truth and can think for ourselves. I'll be here dropping truth bombs every week <laughs> and chatting with you about stuff that matters to you and me and asking questions and talking to people who are taking action. Okay, you hear that? I heard it. Awesome. I'm, I got it and I will not uh, leave. Good man. Because I will be here. <laughs> you're not going anywhere the interview i'm not going anywhere <laughs> oh man so yeah it is it's summer here it was so hot yesterday i was uh, out doing some weeding in the backyard and on the walkway behind the house in the shade i saw a little bird <laughs> some kind of a sparrow maybe and it was just sitting there with yeah. its mouth open panting and oh, I walked up to it. I thought maybe the cat had gotten to it or something. And I, I stooped down and I scooped it up and I picked it up and it's just sitting in my hand, just like, <sighs> and I walked it over to Jacob, who was in the garden. And I'm like, Hey, check this out. He's like, Oh, can I pet it? And I handed it to him and it just flew off into a tree. <laughs> I was like, he was fine. It was just like, that's so hot. I can't be bothered, man. <laughs> Go ahead and kill me. Yeah, um, just put me out of my misery. Oh was, man! Yeah, that's how hot it was. I don't. It's crazy. That is pretty crazy. Oh, hey, love the mug. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love the mug. That's awesome. That's perfect. It's oh, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, today we've got my good friend Dr. Javier Figueroa coming to us from Seattle in FEMA Region Ten. Is that right? <laughs> Well, they've upgraded us to FEMA Region 9 now. So, Is that uh, right? No, I'm just joking. I don't know. <laughs> but more than likely, they'll start changing the FEMA numbers just to, just to make things interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what FEMA regions are, I suggest you go look up Agenda 21 and what that's about. Uh, this will be our last episode for 2021. It has been a roller coaster year, but I'd still like to encourage everyone to stay hopeful in the coming year and wish you a Merry Christmas. And I'd like us all to remember the reason for the season is the first six letters in the word Christmas. That's right. Yeah. So let's talk about COVID's moving goalposts. <laughs> the, it's gonna be the title of today's episode. You know, the, the first Absolutely. or the worst part of 15 days to flatten the curve is the first two years, right? <laughs> well, well we'll get it right eventually right yeah so uh government regulations and ngo recommendations have been shifting the goalposts on us uh, since day one of this deadly pandemic from the days locked down to the number of injections to changing definitions of terms like vaccine and vaccinated Mm -hmm. And uh, even the projection model used mm. to predict the spread of the disease from the Imperial College of London, the ICL, that famously predicted up to 2.2 million COVID-19 deaths in the United States 
Uh, we're nowhere near half that. Uh, and this comes, by the way, from the lead author at the ICL, Neil Ferguson, who already has an abysmal track record and also receives tens of millions of dollars in annual funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, huh, through the ICL. But nothing to see here, right? <laughs> what's yeah. new, right? Yeah, what's new? Uh, so Javier, you and I have been chatting about um, some documents. You know, we, we're continually trying to get people to, to see the light, to, to at least keep an open mind and look at the science from both sides. Uh, yes. You know, there only seems to be one side or one narrative that's, you know, being allowed in the media that, that's not being censored. And that's the one with the most extreme cases, uh, most off-base predictions, <clears throat> scariest scenarios, maximum fear and dread. Uh, you you uh, are, are just now yourself recovering from the deadly disease COVID-19. Is that right? That is correct. And I have to say that, John, uh, the, uh, the uh, information out there does not do this disease justice. Uh, it was one of the one of the worst flus I've ever had. But yeah. you know what? Uh, it was two days and then it was over. Uh, one of the things I do credit uh, the quick recovery and basically the bounce back was we've been doing vitamin D, uh, taking vitamin C, mm -hmm. uh, supplementing with zinc, 100 milligrams a day for an adult. Yeah. And just making sure that, you know, we were, our immune system was fully supported and within, within less than seven days since I first tested positive, I am now COVID negative. How about that? So this is a disease that, yeah, it's, it's a disease, yeah. but it's, it's not this uh, world-ending uh, apocalyptic uh, plague. It is quite survivable. It's something that you don't want to have, just like the flu. And again, we're seeing the same uh, level, at, you know, approximately 1% of the population uh, month in, month out, is going to come down with it, and less than 0.02% of the population will die from it. So we're talking about something that's quite comparable to even a mild case of flu. Right. Well, I, I was just looking uh, not too long ago at the number <coughs> historically uh, over the years, the last three years, I think, in New Zealand, yes. the number of deaths from uh, COVID-19, I think like the number of deaths attributed according to the government records is, is 28 now deaths from yep. COVID-19. And historically the flu season in, you know, year in, year out has been between five and 8,000 deaths attributed to influenza or related complications. Unbelievable. So unbelievable. Right. So um, on, with that, um, we've ju just been looking at, you know, some of the evidence or the, I would call propaganda, or at least the opposing narrative that says, you know, uh, how fearful we need to be maintaining that, you know, how dangerous it is and, and how deadly it is. And, and also on the other side, how safe and effective the vaccines are. Correct. Uh, wherever you stand on the issue of you know the safety and efficacy of the vaccines you you have to be aware of the the controversy or at least the the pushback there are not just a few people that are pushing back and saying that the the uh, vaccine is not as safe as it is purported to be 
on Correct. You know, the conservative, um, deadly on the extreme end. Um, and there would be a lot of evidence to support that. Uh, so I, I will typically send out articles to friends and family to you know show them to at least look at there is legitimate science, um, fact and science-based research, epidemiology. Yes showing you know how uh not just relying on VAERS reports which uh you know is trying to be debunked you know left right and center VAERS used to be actually a very reliable source that could be relied on for government policy up until people started citing uh the deaths attributed to the uh, mrna vaccine now mm -hmm. suddenly it's no longer a reliable source but uh <laughs> One of the, one of the uh, articles a, a relative sent back to me was from uh, COVID-101, COVID-101.org. Yes. Um, a newly created website. Uh, and I looked at some of the, the founders and, and lead authors and a lot of ties to uh, Harvard Medical Faculty. Oh. Yeah. So the great Harvard Medical, yes. Right. So uh, we we know that they have um, globalist ties and funding. So um, you know, I encourage people to go research that for themselves. But I mean, that says a lot right there. But um, so they're they're putting out articles, and the one that I sent to you, Javier, I think you've read through. Yes. Uh, the article titled "How Many People Have Died from the Vaccine in the U.S." And the article goes on to cite the number of deaths uh, as, as a percentage of vaccine doses. Correct. As opposed to number of people receiving the vaccine. Can you comment on that? So this is the great little game that they've been doing. So they put out, when you said about, you know, moving the goalposts and changing uh, the, the, uh, uh, the the deadlines for for all these conditions. One of the things that they love to do is they love to change the definition of what vaccinated means, fully vaccinated means, right? Right. So what they've done is that because Pfizer and Moderna require two shots, they they don't consider anyone fully vaccinated until either 14 or 28 days after the second shot. So that means that if you die or have a reaction before you complete your second dose you're not considered vaccinated. So that means that something that happened while you were quote unvaccinated happened to you or you got COVID or anything like that, it had nothing to do with the injections, zero. So that's how they, that's how they trick people. And now they're changing the definition of fully vaccinated to require a third, the, the booster shot, so to speak. Oh, so it's gonna change again. Shocking, right? right Absolutely because, shocking. Because the, the quote vaccine is so effective. Correct. It's so effective. The, you, you have to keep getting more. Correct. And again, the the, the weird thing, or at least the the, the, the head slapping thing is that uh, you can tell people, well, you're getting the same exact shot. You're not getting a new uh, formulation or a new uh, antigen uh, target. It's the same exact shot. And people are, are think are for some reason believing that more of the same will get you better results. That's the working definition of insanity. I was just going to say, didn't somebody like Einstein give a definition like that for insanity? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, here's the other trick that all these companies use. They measure antibody response. Again, 
anything you inject into the body, if you target it correctly, if, if you know what you're looking for, you can, you can get any sort of result on the assay that you want. The only assay that matters is the following. Does it stop transmission? It doesn't protect you from getting uh, further COVID. I don't, I don't care about reducing symptoms. That's not the point of a vaccine. A vaccine, right. by definition, is something that stops infection and protects you from disease. This is all just symptom. This is the equivalent of NyQuil. And I don't know what the equivalent is in New Zealand in terms of cold and uh, cough symptom mitigation in New Zealand. But this is NyQuil. This is right. very expensive NyQuil. Right. Well, um, Javier, uh, just can you uh, remind people your, your credentials um, to be so, talking about these things? <laughs> I had the great opportunity to go to one of the last great UCs, the University of California uh, universities at UC Davis. I received my bachelor's in microbiology with a background in virology. I was taught by some of the best virologists, top disease, infectious disease experts in the world, people that had worked at CDC, people that had worked at WHO, people that worked at US AMRID, and US AMRID is the infectious disease arm of the United States Army Medical. So these people were highly trained quite competent in their fields, and they really drilled us into us uh, the requirements of uh, disease and disease management. Then I was uh, fortunate enough to continue my uh, education uh, with a master's program in biotechnology, learning how to use the tools to manufacture drugs, bacteria, cells, antibodies, uh, vaccines, uh, recombinant RNA, recombinant DNA technologies. So. Uh, Prior to that, I was also working in the fields of Alzheimer's disease research. So I also worked in trying to understand um, what was the uh, um, process for Alzheimer's disease uh, the, during the aging process, during the disease process, and potential treatments for it. And finally, I managed to uh, get into a doctorate program at the University of Washington in Seattle, where uh, I got a doctorate in neurobiology and behavior with a background in toxicology environmental toxicology for that matter. So I was uh, steeped into the, into the art and science of uh, basic uh, wet bench as well as uh, public health uh, through the toxicology department at the University of Washington. Uh, and then I've had a career outside of academia uh, working in uh, clinical research as well as uh, device development and cancer treatment uh, for now the past 15 years. So it's been, it's been one hell of a trip uh, to go through that uh, and to meet all the people here in the United States and around the world uh, that do this sort of research. And the diversity of opinions is truly uh, staggering. But what's interesting yeah. is that a majority of independent scientists are all on board with, yeah, this is, this is absolute, this is, this is, uh, uh, this is beyond farce at this point. Yeah, and what's I, going on? It would be fair to say, with all of this uh, discussion, that you are well in your element. I am, and I am fortunate to have access to um, many uh, uh, greater minds than my own uh, that have uh, multiples of uh, years of experience directly in this field, and also have direct clinical experience and treat patients on a regular basis, and have had success fighting this. Um, this, to be perfectly honest, this is an overblown viral uh, infection 
but I think that it's important that we categorize it correctly. This is yeah. not a naturally occurring virus. This is a bioweapon. Yes, I, I agree. And if that sounds extreme to some people who are hearing this podcast for the first time, um, you don't have to look very far to prove that. Uh, Dr. Fauci has been steeped in this since, since day one, right in the middle of it, preceding this. He also made Correct. some um, amazing predictions about there going to be a, an outbreak, uh, a surprise outbreak prior to uh, Trump's election or just, just after he would be experiencing during his administration. Um, <clears throat> just seems... Um, I don't know. He, he must be psychic. Well, but, he uh, paid for it. So he, he, he got to know what's coming next. Right. He paid for it. Peter yeah. Daszak uh, from EcoHealth Alliance, um, yeah. researchers at UNC Chapel Hill. Yep. You know, he helped to fund the development of this bioweapon. And then the NIH helped to pay for the technology transfer out of UNC over to Wuhan. What? And this is not... This is not even this is not even debatable. That's that's the paper it. That's trail the is right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get across like if it shouldn't be a shock to anybody by this point. It really isn't debatable. The evidence is overwhelming from the leaked emails from Dr. Fauci trying to cover it up and um, trying to uh, have it not referred to as a uh, as gain of function research. Exactly. Uh, you see, we've all seen the videos of Rand Paul grilling him. I really would like to see more action, though coming out of Washington, I think um, a lot of politicians, even the ones that, that we would think are on the conservative side or you know would agree with this, are, are either compromised or afraid. I, I don't see much action happening. Um, so we will continue getting the word out ourselves and we're gonna be loud about it and uh, spread the word as much as possible. So if you're listening to this today, please do share this podcast with people you know who may be on the fence, who aren't quite aware of, of what's going on, just, just get the word out, at least get the information out there so people can do their own research and, and make an informed decision so that it's not so one-sided. Don't just listen to governmental organizations or NGOs, uh, you know, listen to the doctors who know what they're talking about to at least yep. get both sides. That's exactly it. So anyway, we, we were talking about the the uh, percentage of uh, doses as opposed to the number of people receiving doses that, from this COVID-101 article. Uh, can you talk about the, the deception of showing the numbers that way? Well, one is uh, what you're trying to do is you're trying to increase the uh, numerator, uh, sorry, the denominator. Uh, while at the same time decreasing the numerator as much as possible. So in essence, what you want to do is you want to divide by a very large number. Right. And have a very small number at the top. So that way the percentage looks really, really tiny. The reality here is the following. Um, people are dying. Right. This is, this is deaths. So, you know, you could, you could survive the first shot and then you can die from the second shot. It still killed you. So right. that's something that you have to keep in mind at all times. Uh, third is that the VAERS system is an early warning system. I hear a lot of people complain that, well, it doesn't prove a link. No, it was never intended to prove a link. It's a post-marketing surveillance tool. But the thing is, is that this thing is so large. The numbers are so huge 
compared to year in year out averages, that it's no longer a question of whether this is actually due to this, these biological injectables. This is now, uh, you know, this is, this is orders of magnitude greater than anything we've seen before. We're up to 9,000 deaths. That's half yeah, that, of that's which admitted go, go uh, there, yeah. there was a, uh, a correction on the bears database uh, back in July, I believe, where it, the numbers were reported up. It was about 6,000 or 12,000, I'm sorry, back Correct. in July. And then overnight in one day, they corrected or, or changed it. Everything else on that posting was exactly the same, except the number of deaths dropped to like 6,000 something. So they halved the number of deaths in the VAERS system. The other 6,000 just disappeared. Now, correct. if that's a clerical error or reporting error, that, that's quite significant. I just don't see something like that happening. So we're back up to 9,000 now, less than correct. the original 12,000. So, <clears throat> Well, we're up to 20,000 reported deaths uh, on VAERS. And what happened is that they, uh, what, what the CDC did is they basically said, well, those are coming in from outside of the US territories, from outside the US. So we're gonna exclude them. We only want American numbers. Okay. And so uh, there's, a, there's a great website called Open VAERS, O-P-E-N-V-A-E-R-S, that allows you to switch back and forth between all, VAR, all VAERS reports that come in and then looking at US territory uh, reports. And so out of that, there's 9,295 deaths, 44,000 hospitalizations, 86,000 uh, urgent care visits, and 10,000 permanent disabilities. Now, the other thing that we have to remember is that this is not an actual uh, detection system. It is an early warning system. So we're only getting a partial partial view of how many people have actually right. died or suffered from this. Right. So there's something called an underreporting factor because VAERS right. underreports any and all uh, injuries or illnesses associated with the vaccine. And the best estimates is that we're looking at a probably at a 44x difference. 44 times. 44 I times. don't even know what percentage that would be. 44 times. <coughs> That's staggering. So, so we're looking at conservatively um, 388,000 deaths that could be attributed directly to the to these vaccines. So the the deaths attributed to COVID and and here's another distinction where they're changing definitions. Yes. There's there's deaths from COVID and there's deaths with COVID. So. Uh, oh, yeah. I've seen the examples in the headlines. Man comes into hospital with a gunshot wound. He's on his deathbed and uh, they test him while they're in the hospital. And he uh, tests positive for COVID with a faulty PCR test, too, I might add. Right. Um, but because he had COVID at the time of death, then he's a COVID case. And the death was from that, not the gunshot wound. And there's been other serious accidents and comorbidities that are that are not revealed in the in the data so we're get, getting huge over reporting mm -hmm. the deaths from covid and under reporting <clears throat> from the deaths uh due to the vaccine the the mrna gene therapy medical device thank you vaccine. yes <laughs> in the time we've got here i want to jump on to a couple other articles we've looked at uh yep you you were pointing out that steve kirsch who's the founder and tech billionaire 
has yes. supported some some major research. Where where can we find that? So you can look up Steve Kirsch. He has a uh, he has a, a a blog on Substack, Substack uh, where okay. he yeah where he has uh, his um, where he posts uh, on a regular basis what's going on with uh, with the vaccine and vaccine reporting. Um, he he references and sometimes financially supports researchers that are looking into um, you know the doing the analysis, uh, looking at the publicly available data on it. And one of the things that um, uh, Steve Kirsch pointed out was that uh, it's VAERS and all these uh, post-marketing surveillance tools for vaccines, they're, they're, they're basically a band-aid. They're there to make the, uh, the vaccine uh, uh, industry look safe. They're right. not there to actually show the, the real effects of, of potential side effects of, of vaccines or biologics as they're actually, as they're properly labeled by the FDA. So he, he's been trying to be as careful as possible in, in terms of uh, uh, properly interpreting the, the data. But what he does is he uses, any, he uses peer-reviewed information and analyses to extrapolate uh, real results. And what's interesting is that Steve's data, as well as the results from others, they've all been converging around that 44X number. It's either 41 or 46. Wow. So they're all converging on it to about 44 uh, in that range. Uh, based on uh, anaphylaxis reporting. Now, anaphylaxis is a known uh, uh, severe adverse event for vaccines. And again, it was the same for Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. That's why you had so many people say, you need to have an EpiPen ready, right? Right. And so they were able to extrapolate a lot of data based on anaphylaxis, based on death reporting, based on the Harvard Pilgrim, and Harvard Pilgrim is not Harvard itself. It is a research group that's called Harvard Pilgrim Insurance Group uh, that basically pointed out that, you know, these are the underreporting factors. So based on the data that they have for reporting on phylaxis, uh, they were able to uh, extrapolate and, and come up with 44X um, as the underreporting factor. So you have to report a lot of the deaths that you see, a lot of the hospitalizations, Bell's palsy, things like that, by you know by that factor right there. Right. So we're we're seeing something that is incredible. And the other thing that 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 really has screwed up our ability to have a an honest conversation and also um, uh, basically have accurate information was that they that the United States changed its its reporting rules on death. Right. Another way they changed the goalposts. Yeah. Yeah. What what happened there? So the the United States uh, has for 17 years been using a, uh, a system for assigning cause of death. The CDC publishes something called the Medical Examiner's and Coroner's Handbook on Death Registration and Fetal Death Reporting and Physician's Handbook on Medi Medical Certification of Death. Now, these handbooks... Uh, have been the standard for the past 17 years. They remain in use today for all causes of death, except where there's an involvement of COVID-19. <laughs> okay, what? so why, now, the, why the difference? Uh, well, see, that was actually not discussed uh, because what they did is the, the CDC in a March 24th, 2020 COVID-19 alert number two changed the rules. If let's say you are a person that has uh, COPD or congestive heart failure, right? Right. Uh, you uh, catch the flu, 
yep. you develop pneumonia, yep. you develop uh, insufficiency for, for breathing, and you die, right? The cause of death, the, the, the ultimate cause of death would be COPD, because the COPD is what basically compromised you to, uh, right. to, to, be, to be susceptible to the disease. You didn't die of influenza. Influenza was a contributing cause. Right. What they did with that uh, March 24th, 2020 COVID-19 alert number two is they flipped it on its head. Right. It's the only disease where they actually say, ignore everything that we have on the handbook. If it's COVID-19, you died of COVID-19. That's the cause of death. Right. Doesn't matter how many comorbidities you have. Doesn't matter that for the past 17 years, this has been the standard we've been using we changed the rules on March 24th, 2020. Isn't that interesting? And again, if we follow the money, I think we can find some motivations behind that. We won't get into it today, but uh, we will, I'm sure we will in, in future episodes. Um, in, in just a couple minutes we have left, you wanted to talk a little bit about the PCR test. Seems that they're reporting uh, more about the cases than the actual number of deaths. Yep. Because um, the cases are always bigger. Did you get reported, you and your family? Uh, for no, your one case? of the things that I've learned is that um, one is you don't you don't toss uh, gasoline into the fire, especially <laughs> especially when you know that it's it's actually a campfire, not a not a forest fire. Right. And uh, we have so many different kits that we can choose from uh, right. to be able to detect if whether or not we have a, a particular disease now. So no, I, I don't go to public um, laboratories to get tested. The PCR test is an absolute dumpster fire test yeah. uh, to detect anything. So uh, what's interesting is that um, this is the only diagno quote, diagnostic test that has been developed where you where the, the people that developed it never had the source material to right. do the analysis. This is a computer generated simulated model, right? Correct. They, so Correct. They, they've never even gotten the source. No, it was all, it was all in silico, as they say. Right. Uh, Corman and Drosten were the two researchers that developed the PCR under the auspices of the World Health Organization. The WHO, through Gavi, paid uh, these individuals to develop a PCR test. And in Europe, there's already, there's so many lawsuits against the developers of the PCR test because they say, they, 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 uh, the researchers that reviewed the results are basically saying, this is fraudulent. This it was is. never designed to be diagnostic. Every well, single- mean, on, Does it not even on the very um, box that the, the PCR test kit comes in, it says not for diagnostic purposes. That's exactly right it. That's like, yeah, yeah. So, and yet this is the gold standard. The fortunate thing is that they're, the, they recognize that this is, there is no gold standard for this. This is this, even uh, CDC, sorry, FDA is, sorry, the CDC is going to drop its EUA designation in the United States after January 1st. It's no longer going to be under an EUA designation. The PCR test is no longer going to have EUA protections. Wow. So they can't even they can't even use it for that. The antigen tests are also under EUA. Every single diagnostic test, every single quote intervention that is being used right now is all under an emergency use authorization in the United States. And by de facto, everywhere around the world, 
it's all under an emergency use authorization. So remember, the clinical trials for Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson, as well as AstraZeneca, they're continuing till 2023. We won't have clinical results until 2023. And the fact that they actually unblinded, that is, they, they know who has the control and who has the, uh, uh, the active treatment for Pfizer, they did away with that about six months, eight months ago. So we won't be able to tell the difference if there's going to be uh, you know, more injury or less injury. Everyone's gotten the, the shot now. Right. So this is one of those, this is basically what you don't do in clinical trials. What you're trying right. to determine, does it work? Um, for those of you listening just on the podcast, I'm trying to keep these to uh, about 30 minutes. If you want to watch the uh, full version of this, we'll have that on video available on Rumble. And I will also uh, post that up on libertynow.com. If you're just tuning in, this is John Verd on the Liberty Now podcast, a weekly discussion about what the hell's going on in this crazy world. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Radio Public, Reason FM, Red Circle, at Liberty Now podcast. And if I've forgotten one, or if you'd like to get your local AM station to pick it up, email me at john at libertynow.com. And you can also get the links, files, and show notes for this episode at the website, libertynow.com. Well, listeners, thank you very much for hanging out with us. Uh, it's been a really good conversation. Thank you, Dr. Figueroa. And thank um, you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Is there a website that, that you have or uh, a place where people can uh, hear more from you? Well, I am part of uh, Informed Choice Washington uh, and also an Informed Life Radio with Bernadette Pager. Um, I don't have a website. I um, unfortunately just don't have the time to uh, build out a website and maintain it. But I do yes. work with Informed Choice. Thank Excellent. you. Informed yep. Choice Washington. Uh, to help spread their message of uh, being an informed citizen and consumer of uh, medical products and to know the difference between uh, natural immunity, uh, lifelong natural supportive immunity, and everything else that's being pushed as science when it's just marketing and PR. Yes. All right. Thank you. Well, uh, listeners, Go check out the information that we talked about today. Um, you know, don't just take our word for it. Do the research for yourself. Come to your own conclusions. Make informed decisions. Have a beautiful, wonderful Christmas and New Year. We'll see you on the flip side in 2022. Let's make it a better one. And until next time, keep asking questions and be good. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.